I'm your host, Annie Bowles, and this is News Du Jour. Welcome back to News Du Jour. If you're new here, I wanted to start off with the disclaimer that while we promise to be a calmer space to consume the news, that's not to say that bad stuff doesn't happen. And when it does, we're going to be here to tell you about it and acknowledge its seriousness. However, we believe there's a lot more than doom and gloom going on in the world. And we will report on a range of different topics from entertainment to business to politics to art and fashion and much more. Whatever the top stories of the day are, that is what we're excited to tell you about. We're glad you're here. Hey, you guys, and happy Friday. Um, We made it through the week. Before we launch into today's episode, though, I wanted to issue a quick correction. So yesterday, I totally misstated that the Battle of the Alamo was an effort by Texas to gain independence from the United States, but that's actually not the case. It was an effort to gain independence from Mexico, not the United States, and that was my mistake. Um, I apologize for any confusion on this topic, um, but you know the point kind of remains true. I still think the Alamo is a symbol of you know revolution and um, revolutionary spirit and you know resistance to a perceived oppression. And so I think that still is in line with sort of Trump's message to his followers. So you know the story is kind of the same, um, but that was an incorrect fact, and I will always correct. Anything that I say that is factually inaccurate for you guys right at the top of the episode so that you know what's up. Just like any other publication, we will occasionally um, misspeak or make outright mistakes, but we will always correct them just like other publications do with full-on editing teams, which I am the editing team for this publication. So um, bear with me and I appreciate your patience and I will correct anything and everything that I say that's wrong, just so you guys know. So always bring those things to my attention. And I really sincerely appreciate it when you do. Um, anyway, for this episode, I thought we would start off with some good news. So we have some happy stories for you guys right here at the top of the episode that are also really exciting, um, you know, sort of pertinent top news for the day. So let's get started. So for our first story, Eugene Goodman may be awarded a Congressional Gold Medal. So you guys may have seen images from the Capitol riots of a black law enforcement officer facing off against the rioters. If you saw this video, you know he was wielding only a nightstick and it was heralding to watch because this group was wielding guns. And as we now know, bombs, Molotov cocktails, nooses, you name it, tear gas. They were using tear gas against the police. But 
They were also wielding Confederate flags and white supremacist t-shirts. So this was especially scary of a crowd for someone who is a black person. And not only did he face off against these people and keep them at bay, but he actually had the bravery and wherewithal to lead them away from the Senate floor amidst his own danger. He led them towards another part of the building by egging them on and they got distracted and literally followed him away from the Senate towards his backup. And in that time, the lawmakers as well as a number of journalists and members of the media, were given a chance to escape. Had he not been able to hold them off that day, it might have been a very different scene on the Senate floor. This group intended to take hostages with zip ties and hang them in public. And Eugene Goodman could have saved their lives with this action. Seeing it, and watching those videos, it's so distressing. But his heroism protected our democracy for another day. He said of the incident, quote, My job is to protect and serve. And on that day, I was protecting, end quote. Oh, you guys know I'm a crier. <laughs> I seriously could cry at that. But what a hero. And I sincerely hope he gets awarded with a proper medal for his heroism. And that's been introduced in, I believe, the House. Um, and yeah, we'll just follow it closely. And if he gets awarded it, we'll definitely get, let you guys know here on the News Du Jour. So for our next happy story of the day, Lady Gaga and Jennifer Lopez will be performing at the inauguration. So there is typically a celebrity component to any inauguration. Anyone who is a big supporter of the candidate will typically engage in some way. But we forget that now because so few celebrities wanted to work with Trump. And, you know, the inauguration before that was like, you know, way long ago. So the current plan sounds like Lady Gaga will sing the Star Spangled Banner but we don't have any details about J-Lo's quote-unquote musical performance. But knowing her, it's set to be pretty epic. Both of these women are not low-key performers. They really bring a show. So I'm excited to see what they have in store for us. But there will also be a corresponding primetime special entitled Celebrating America, and it will feature Tom Hanks as a host and performances by Bon Jovi, Justin Timberlake, Demi Lovato, Aunt Clemens, and probably many more. It will air on Wednesday, Inauguration Day, from 8.30 p.m. to 10 p.m. and can be viewed on ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, and MSNBC. The event will also stream on the committee's YouTube channel and social media channels, as well as Amazon Prime Video, Twitch, and Fox News's News Now. I'm definitely going to be tuning in, and you guys should too. We all need a little happy entertainment in our lives, right? <laughs> And speaking of happy entertainment, for our last little happy uh, <laughs> news story for the day, Sex and the City, uh, the third? Sex and City 3? 
Okay, so it's not technically called Sex and the City 3. It's more of like a mini series than a movie is what it sounds like. 10 episodes. But the thing is, it seems that only three out of the four lead actresses felt that their character's story was unfinished. Only the personas of Carrie, Miranda, and Charlotte will be featured on this miniseries and not the crowd favorite potty mouth martini sipping Samantha. This definitely has me having some conflicting feelings because as someone who like loved the first movie especially um, as well as the show, I don't really, I never watched the second uh, movie, but I feel like you know, first of all, Samantha's one of the main characters and probably most people's favorite. But not only that, the show is about girl power and supporting each other as friends. And there's sort of this whole drama behind the scenes with the the actress who plays Samantha and how she didn't want to be part of the show. And so I don't know. I just feel like that's going to like overshadow everything. Um, and it's going to feel off balance without her. But I may watch it anyway, just to like see how it goes down, but my expectations are not super high, but I wanted to tell you guys about that because if you're a hardcore Sex and the City fan, you're going to be really excited about this. And with that, I'm going to dive back into some more, more like hardcore news, not as fun, but Mitch McConnell issued a statement regarding the impeachment that I thought was super important. So I'm just going to go ahead and read it out verbatim. He said, quote, the House of Representatives has voted to impeach the president. The Senate process will now begin at our regular meeting following the receipt of the article from the House. Given the rules, procedures, and Senate precedents that govern the presidential impeachment trials, there is simply no chance that a fair or serious trial could conclude before President-elect Biden is sworn in next week. The Senate has held three presidential impeachment trials. They have each lasted 83 days, 37 days, and 21 days, respectively. Even if the Senate process were to begin this week and move promptly, there is no final verdict that would be reached until after President Trump had left office. This is not a decision that I'm making. It's a fact. The president-elect himself stated last week that his inauguration on January 20th is the, quote, quickest path for any change in the occupant of the presidency. In light of this reality, I believe it will best serve our nation if Congress and the executive branch spend the next seven days completely focused on facilitating a safe inauguration and an orderly transfer of power to the incoming Biden administration. I am grateful to the offices and institutions within the Capitol that are working around the clock alongside federal and local law enforcement to prepare a safe and successful inauguration at the Capitol next Wednesday, end quote. So to me, this sounds like the Senate will hear the impeachment trial, but not until the Biden administration has taken effect. 
So, you know, it's a little bit frustrating for those who want to see this like happening right now. But I do think it's fair. Like, let's focus on safety and, you know, for those who are excited, like celebrating this new um, era and try and come together in the next seven days because, you know, that's a big enough task in and of itself. Um, But actually... It is also important to note, and I wanted to let you guys know about this, that there were several moving vans actually parked outside of the White House that seemed to be moving the president out yesterday. This was a bit strange because typically this move is actually conducted by the Secret Service during the inauguration. Like while the inauguration festivities are taking place all day on the 20th, they move the old president out and the new one in. And it's an old time crunched situation. It's kind of one of those DC like folklore things. Very strange and intense, but it's how it's always worked. But if any president were going to break from tradition and cut his own path, it would be President Trump. So this is not completely surprising, although it also may be in some way tied to the expectation of violence and unrest looming over D.C. for Inauguration Day. We're just going to have to wait and see. So I want to go ahead and issue an apology. We are going to go a little bit late today as well. And, um, you know, it's just hard because there were so many stories that I wanted to tell you guys about Um And even the ones that I'm picking are very, very condensed versions of what I would usually do for you guys. So I hate, you know, not really giving you guys the full story. But at the same time, I think these things are really important to go over. So I'm going to do them and just know that I'm neglecting like 10 other stories I would love to tell you guys about um, in doing this, even with a longer episode. Right now, it's just a crazy time. But Without further ado, um, the New York Attorney General has just sued New York PD over excessive force at BLM protests. Okay, so let me say that again. That was a a mouthful. The New York Attorney General's office has officially sued NYPD over use of excessive force during the BLM protests that took place in New York City this past year. And they have alleged years of civil rights abuses. In the words of the New York Attorney General Letitia James, quote, As the demonstrations continued, the very thing being protested, aggressive actions of law enforcement, were on public display, end quote. I feel like that just puts it perfectly. Um. Hopefully these efforts will pay off and they'll be able to keep better tabs on NYPD and help the city lower the temperature surrounding public demonstrations like this that could otherwise be peaceful. For our last story, I'm just going to run through it real quick for you guys. So 12 people died and 80 people got very sick from the Flint water crisis. Um, If you followed my blog for a while, I have a breakdown of that story that I wrote years ago. Um, You can find it on our blog if you just go and search for Flint water. And um, now the Michigan authorities are holding officials responsible and nine different officials will face charges related to the water crisis. So I'm just going to run through these nine officials and who they are. I'm not even going to get into what 
they've each been charged with specifically, um, but I'll go over the general charges at the end. So the first person is Governor Rick Snyder. Next, Howard Croft, who is the former uh, Flint Public Works Director. Nicholas Lyon, who is the former director of the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Eden Wells, who is Michigan's former chief medical executive. Jared Agin, who was the former director of communications and chief of staff for Governor Snyder. Gerald Ambrose, who was the former city of Flint emergency manager. Richard Baird, who was a former senior advisor in Snyder's office. Darnell Early, a former state-appointed emergency manager for the city of Flint. And lastly, Nancy Peeler, who was the current, who is the current uh, early childhood health section manager for the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. And these people's charges range from willful neglect of duty on up to involuntary manslaughter. And this is some <laughs> Aaron Bronkovich stuff going down. You know, you guys know this is a long time coming. Um, these people were directly re- responsible for the water switch. And so, and then not just switching it, but then ignoring all of the problems. So, you know, it's good to see some charges have been filed and we'll see how everything shakes out in court. And we'll definitely keep you um, tuned in as more info comes out on this story. And that's the news du jour. Today, I wanted to leave you with the quote, I know you are afraid of the sun setting and the darkness settling in all too soon. But just remember, the moon will shine for us too. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use to listen. A rate and review on Apple Podcasts would mean the world to us and really help us be able to keep creating the news du jour for free for you guys. You can also follow us on social media under sugarfreemedia.co on Instagram, sugarfree underscore media on Twitter, and just sugarfreemedia, all one word, on TikTok. You can also subscribe to emails on our blog so that you get an alert every time we have a new post or an announcement, and that's at www.sugarfreemedia.co. Again, that's sugarfreemedia.co. Our music is by Joey Lavoie and Nicholas Foster. Our cover art is by Hannah Pierce Photography. Our Sugar Free Media logo is by Catherine Jezik Designs. We appreciate you listening and look forward to telling you about the news again next time on News Du Jour. Broadcasting from Oh, oh. oh.